to Sunday Scriptures for Patriots. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. Got my co-host here, Barry Dumas. And we are discussing economic liberty. And we discussed in the last two episodes Barry's experience with the IRS. And uh, we didn't get too much into detail about Social Security. Uh, so maybe we could talk about that as well. But we're going to just keep on going into the biblical, historical, and governmental aspects of economic liberty. And uh, before we get into everything, we're going to just show a quick commercial from our sponsor, Sovereign Advisors. He supports our ministry. So definitely check in the description of the link below where you can get a free consultation. Gold is near all-time highs. Has it reached its peak? Did you miss the boat? No, I don't think so. The exploding debt, change in the interest rate cycle, political and economic turmoil have caused the current move in gold. And those things are getting worse. In fact, Citibank projected gold to hit $3,000 an ounce over the next 12 to 18 months. I encourage you to protect and grow your investment portfolio with gold. I trust Dr. Kirk Elliott with Sovereign Advisors. With over 25 years of experience and two PhDs, Kirk Elliott is the best of the best in the industry. Call his office at 720-605-3900 and tell him Sean Morgan sent you, or just click on the link in the description to get that free consultation. Okay, Barry, let's uh, talk more about your experience. Uh, You didn't really get into the detail about the Social Security numbers. and You have a big family there, and you're operating without the socials. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, we are very intentionally. We we are uh, doing that. I, I will say that, um, you know, I spent twelve years in the, in the United States Army, and you know, once you go in there, you, they got your number. You know, like, you know, they identify you by your social. But I don't use it in whole. What they uh, do is use the last four digits as an identifier if you're calling on the phone with the VA, you know, or something like that. So I don't have a problem with using the last four. They'll say, you know, what's your last four? But um, uh, yeah, and, and, and it is amazing to see how um, entangled things are with that social security number. And I just um, not consenting to using it for um, the purpose that they intend. It's just entangling everything, you know. And it was originally for retirement benefits, Sean, but now it's used to identify you. And I'm, I'm refusing that wholesale. I'm getting ticked off at, uh, every, you know, agencies want a government issued ID and I am working on right now and going to perfect my own common law ID. And the reality is, Sean, I've got 10 fingers here. Each one of them is being given by God. That's identification, not yeah, that and my signature. Our signature is protected by law. Did you know that? No, I mean, yeah. it kind of makes sense to me, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, if that's protected by law, we have, you know, because to write someone's signature without their consent uh, to push yourself forward as someone else, that is a... Um, that is a criminal activity protected by law. And so I'm putting some things together and not consenting uh, just to their government issued ID because uh, God is the one that gives us our identity. And he, we have built in identity with our fingerprints, with our ability to write our name in a signature. It's actually a form of art that's, and it's protected by law. You know? 
not yeah, tracing, it's just, but cursing. We got to get things straight because uh, mm-hmm. the government tries to act like the power starts with them and then they issue the power to the people, yes. but it's the other way around. It's like, we are the sovereigns and yes. they are agents of us. So um, once you got that straight, then you can think, think, uh, think about how we can issue our own ID. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. That's so, what I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so where do you, what do you want to dive into? Because you talked about, mm-hmm. you have a couple of visuals prepared. You talked about the three aspects of economic liberty, historical, biblical, and governmental. So what do you mm-hmm. want to dive into first? All right. So we're going to pick up from last week. And at the same time, <clears throat> um, well, I say last week. Yes, we've been, we're, we're, we're introducing this series on economic liberty. And what I, how I want to frame it today is um, I want to talk about the authority for economic liberty and the Protestant Reformation. Okay. And we're going to touch a little piece on the Protestant Reformation, and that would be the historical uh, unworking of this truth of uh, economic liberty. But to have economic liberty, we want to establish the authority for that. Okay, Sean. So why don't you um, bring up that first slide and it'll be good if you go ahead and read and start with the, um, the old world of Europe. Okay. And so just as a reminder, if uh, somebody wasn't listening last week, we want to get good and actually excel in making contrasts. All right. And so when we talk about anything, when we talk about law, we talk about government, how about we talk about Jesus and his gospel? Like there are counterfeits to everything out there, Sean, Okay, so I'm no longer satisfied to just say something and expect that everybody agrees with it. We're on the same page. No, we've got a, the devil, devils, Satan, uh, and all his minions perverting things. That's what he's been doing. So yeah, so it, it does help yeah. to do comparisons. You get to see God's way versus uh, the evil one's way. So let's exactly. look at the old yeah. world pagan idea of man and government. The infallibility of the church and its hierarchy, the idea that man's organization, social, ecclesiastical, or political, can be absolutely dependent upon to make correct choices for others. Mm-hmm. And then the new world idea, Christian idea of man and government, is that the scriptures are the things that are infallible. And we have the examples of Matthew, Timothy, Peter, Acts, and, and another, uh, yeah, Matthew, Timothy, Peter, and Acts. So um, yeah. this would be good to, to show. We'll look at some of those. Yes. Yes. So um, just let me let's. So before we get into the scripture, let's just underscore something in the old world of Europe. Okay. Uh, This is we, we, we need to do this. We need to in order to embrace what's thoroughly good about America and not be ambivalent or indifferent. Sean, there are Christians out there and some of them are my friends and they don't know how to handle me. They just stand back, look at me indifferent and, and kind of choke a bit. Uh, and and uh, they just think America is sin. And I put that out to somebody and, and he couldn't answer me, uh, you know, because I'm making much about the fact that I, I, I know I'm an American Christian and, uh, and I'm going to unpack that for whoever wants to engage me, Sean, in this format or others. What does it mean to be an American and what does it mean to be a Christian? Those two things have to be clarified. And so, um, so the old world of Europe, 
was, was, you know, the gospel's in the earth since the resurrection of Christ, since his great commission. But now it takes time for the seed of that good news, the seed of his kingdom to mature, right? Sean, you remember Jesus talking about that the kingdom of God is like a seed, like a man plants it. Well, you got to plant it and you got to water it. Uh, and then there's, you know, the fowls of the air, the enemies that come in to, to nip at it. You have to realize that when Jesus came into the earth, there was about 4,000 years of history before his appearance of law without liberty. Okay, that's Asiatic despotism. That's what was going on in that part of the world. Okay, or another way to put it is liberty for a few, all right, for a few. And everybody else, you just do what you're told. But that's what they want to get back at. I mean, that's, we're going through another, another age of conflict here between those forces of, of, Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, tyranny versus Liberty. Amen. Yes. So no, there's nothing new under the sun. You read Ecclesiastes, Mm -mm, nothing new. It's the same machinations of the devil working through, uh, unredeemed people. And, uh, and sadly too, there can be redeemed people that have not been trained they haven't renewed their mind. They're not being discipled, but they're going to their meetings or they're watching, you know, some religious thing on television or the internet. And I'm going on record to say, no, that is wholly inadequate. You've got to, you've got to study and, 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 and show yourself to prove before God. Okay. So let's get into now. Um, right. We're making a contrast here as to the authority for economic liberty and so in the old world of Europe, they, there was, even though the Christian idea of man and government and law was unfolding, it hadn't flourished until to the degree that it did here in America. Okay. So Europe is the backdrop uh, of, of the unfolding of law and liberty are like in conflict with one another. Okay. So that, um, Yeah. The church in the known world there uh, in the West was was Rome, okay? And uh, when you look on that history, you see that, um, you know, they could be absolutely dependent upon to make choices for others, all right? And uh, <clears throat> when we talk about, when it says in that definition, uh, these social, ecclesiastical, or political uh, organizations you know, one, one political organization, I would say political, uh, that we're talking about here is like the IRS. Okay. I'm talking about economic liberty, but then there's this entity out there, the internal revenue service. And, you know, that's an example of an organization that they're going to decide, you know, they'll take your paperwork, you know, your, your, your confession forms, but if they don't agree with it, you're going to correct it, right? You're going to, (laughs) Oh, Okay, so uh, this was the beginning for me years ago to make this contrast um, that institutions of men, they and their hierarchy believe they have their best interest for you rather than you, Sean, rather than me having our best, uh, our own best interest for our our family governments. Okay, great. We went from the monarch and the pope had the authority and were, were the sovereigns. And that they were infallible, supposedly. And now we've transitioned to uh, this idea that the comparison is the word of God is the thing that's infallible. 
uh, in the biblical perspective uh, and in the governmental perspective, the way it's evolved is that that we are the sovereigns under God uh, and we get our rights from God. Uh, yes. So uh, let's dive into these scriptures. Yeah. Look at. Okay. So let's. I'm going to have you read this, Sean. It's. It's. And um, now on my slide, I said I think it was just verse 20 to 21. But it is good to back up and and get it in larger context. And so go ahead. Go ahead and read that, and then we'll, we'll move on from there to to talk about what does the Word of God say about infallibility? Where Where is its source there? Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain, we also have the prophetic word made made more sure, which you do well to to heed. heed. Oh, a, I'm sorry. To uh, heed as heed. a light that, that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man. The holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. All right. Sorry for a couple of typos there. So look, Sean, um, even within this passage, there's an interesting contrast. They both have their place, but we, re- we, we want to understand, uh, you know, when we're talking about the will of God or hearing God for your life, um, here, this passage you read, Peter is making a contrast. You know, he was on the mount. The mountain is referred there is the mountain of transfiguration, right? Where I believe it was it was him, Peter, James, and John, and uh, Christ was there. And then this voice from heaven that God the Father was well pleased with His Son. Like they heard this audible voice out of heaven. All right, and that makes them, Sean. Look at this. That makes them first. Uh, person witnesses okay to the fact that jesus christ is god the son all right they're firsthand witnesses and uh but as and as much as that was true for them he goes on to say that we have a more sure word than the word this audible voice that comes out of heaven and that is the scriptures okay the prophecy of scripture and Uh, I want to mention the fact that uh, the word prophecy, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. Uh, It often is understood as foretelling the future and and being predictive. Okay. And you do see that with the Old Testament prophets. All right. Uh, But really what they're prophesying, predicting is about the Messiah coming. Right. The son of God coming. And he did came and he fulfilled all of their prophecies. Okay. And, um, uh, but there's a preoccupation in modern Christendom to be focused on the future rather than, uh, what has already been written. Okay. The, the scriptures. So Peter's saying here that we have a more, as much as he heard from heaven, a voice about Jesus Christ, the beloved son of God. 
and only a few were there to hear it. We don't have that. Okay, we're not privileged to be firsthand witnesses. What we are, Sean, in after the apostles died off, after Christ ascended into heaven, what we have is the written prophetic scriptures, the law of God. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy, his prophets are actually his law talkers. Okay. And uh, why they could be predictive of things is because when you declare the law of God and you people are going to violate that, you can say what's going to happen because uh, you don't break God's law. There's consequence to breaking the law of God. And there's only a few things that have always been wrong. Okay. That's what his law is. And ultimately his law is to love and to be free. Okay. So what we are, we're unlike Peter and the other apostles who saw Christ and was with him as firsthand witnesses. We are second hand witnesses getting it through the revelation of scripture. Okay. And so um, Peter's telling us that this is more sure it's fixed. You can't change it. All right. And so we can stand on that, uh, that, that word of God, because that is the law of God and, and it doesn't change. Okay. So, well, for um, believers, yeah. uh, they they know about all of the ways that Christ was specifically prophesied, and all of the yeah. things that Christ, through living His life, uh, fulfilled all scriptures and all prophecies. Uh, but to an unbeliever, they think to themselves, "Well, why should the Bible be believed? You know, well, why is that such a standard? Well, what, how can I really trust?" anything these so-called prophets said thousands of years ago. What's your response to those people? Great question. You remind me of a speech I gave years ago in community college on the historical reliability of the Bible. And what I did to answer you, Sean, is you realize um, the Bible, you know, the, the scriptures is an ancient piece of literature. Okay. It's, it's, it's many, it's, it's much more than that. It's the revelation of, of God's will to man. But when you compare it as a book with other, you know, an ancient book with other ancient writings, say Plato, Aristotle, uh, there's Caesar's Gallic Wars, I think it was. These guys, um, do you realize we don't have any originals of their works? And, um, but what we do have is like a handful of manuscripts for those guys writing and those are regarded in you know schools universities colleges as like you know th- this is this is how you debase your life on all this philosophy okay all right and i'm, and I'm serious like a handful like a dozen or less of extent what's called extant manuscripts because there's no originals of anything all right and even the bible itself we don't have original copies that those men handled what we have are copies of copies and but the number of those copies sean they total into the tens of thousands it's actually um well over twenty thousand various portions of manuscripts compared to just a handful of these other writings that are regarded credible and so when you have more of of, of these manuscripts for the for the new testament the older new testaments this gives it major credibility that uh, we can compare these and see really are our English translations, you know, accurate or whatever, whatever version, uh, you know, language 
you know, you probably got, uh, what do you have down here? Brazilian? Is it, or, uh, <laughs> Portuguese, yeah. Portuguese. I'm sorry. Yes. I know it was a Latin American country there, yeah. but, um, yeah, Portuguese, um, Portuguese as much as English are not the originally inspired languages, uh, that were used. It was old Testament. It was, it was Hebrew and it was Greek. Okay. And, um, so, uh, there's major credibility with the scriptures that it's historically reliable. Okay. So for those naysayers, they may not will be willing to accept that it's divine revelation from heaven. Okay. We can get there. We can go there. But before that, can they accept that it's historically reliable that you can scrutinize it and see that, um, it is accurate compared to anything else on yeah, the planet. For, for those atheists and non-believers uh, mm-hmm. that want to dive into this and get the truth, uh, there's plenty to, to look at. Uh, and even Jesus himself in Matthew mm-hmm. 4, 4 used the scriptures as the authority, right? Yes. When, when Satan was tempting him and saying, hey, I'll give you all the lands of the world. And you know, he just said, it is written. Um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God or the lawgiver. Amen. Yes. So that's Matthew 4, 4. And notice when Jesus quoted that, that was actually out of Deuteronomy. He's quoting the Old Testament law uh, that the word of God is for all men. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, again, this is Matthew 4, 4. It doesn't say that all Christians are going to live by the word of God. It doesn't even say all pastors. Yeah, we think they're the holy men, right? The pastors, okay? The elders. No, isn't it interesting? Jesus said, man, mankind is to live by the word of God, not by your physical food, right? That's the bread, but spiritual food. Man who does not live by the word of God is going to die. And he's dead yeah. until he take partakes. This gets really deep, doesn't it? Because we're not just talking about words in a holy book. We're talking about spirit, pure life, the, the essence of God, that it, everything good we experience in life, it is the grace and love and reality of spirit of God. And, and this is something that that's non-believers, you know, and my, myself included through much of my life, we just, take everything for granted we just say oh yeah this this whole universe is some kind of cosmic accident and it's just lucky that we have air to breathe and the sun shining at the perfect temperature for us to survive and uh, all of these plants and animals that grow around us to, to feed us and give us life and all of these family members and life experiences that help us grow and learn it's it does it is all so darn perfect but it's just lucky coincidence by chance. And we just take it for granted and we get depressed and we just say, oh, life isn't everything that I want it to be. But everything good, Barry, every single thing good in our life is by the grace of God. And yes, everything, and, and, and so there are evil people that are experiencing the goodness and love of God, that grace. Can, can you just give us your commentary on that and, and how everyone, even non-believers are living by the grace and love of God right now. Yeah. Um, well, that's, whoa, that's good. I mean, uh, when you say everyone, uh, you know, God is not dwelling in everyone, but God's, uh, 
presence is in the earth. So anything good on the earth, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're the most hardened criminal, wicked man out there, you amazingly, this is the goodness, the grace and the love of God that's beyond our comprehension. Uh, uh, that, um, you know, the fact that you have health and life and breath and liberties, you know, if now, you know, we can talk specifically here about America. This is essentially what we're talking about. We're Americans and uh, doing good on the land as, as, as patriots um, that um, the whole idea of say innocent until proven guilty, that's a Christian idea. That's what due process is. That's something that was developed um, out of the scriptures out of uh, embodied in the Magna Carta, the great chart of liberties in 1215 in England with the barons and King John, uh, that um, every man in his home, he's he has a castle in his home, okay? And you need consent to come into it. You can't just barge in there uh, and, and do what you want. And that's why we have the, is it the third amendment? About no court, or the fourth, the, about no quartering of troops, Okay, that's what that's about. That's the background of that is that you just can't come in and barge in here uh, like you can, you know, in other communist countries or the old world of Europe. Okay, you need to have a man's consent. So uh, that's good to no matter what your uh, religious conviction is, is that um, life and liberty and you having the excuse, the the exclusive use of your property that's law on the land here in America and these few other common law countries like Canada, England. Right. Um, and we're blessed with human bodies, these vessels made yes. in the image of God. And mm-hmm. uh, so, so grace is all around us, this life. Yes. And the, the quotes from the scripture is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it didn't mm-hmm. stop after the Bible was written and it says in the beginning was the word, right? So the word was, is ever present, you know, uh, this, this word, it doesn't just mean written word, does it? I mean, the word Jesus is the word made flesh. So it's pretty yes. deep when you start getting at the the essence of what the word of God is, isn't it? It is Sean. In fact, uh, you know, with you saying that, all right, let's, um, we could come back to, you know, second Peter there, chapter one, um, about, uh, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Okay. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the spirit, the Holy spirit. A lot of people think that, um, and I, and I did too. And I, and I can still think this way that, um, this passage is dealing with the fact that, um, uh, this is the, the scripture that, you know, we have our own private interpretation. You know, you'll, you'll hurt when there's disagreements with people, with people of faith, they'll say, well, that's your interpretation, right? Um, okay. Well, if you genuinely read the passage and you come up with a conclusion that's different from someone else, yes, that's your private interpretation. Okay. Um, and, and, uh, and you can, and there can be many applications, Okay, but now I don't see that this what this passage is. This passage is addressing that. Okay, what it's saying is, let me read another way. It should be better uh, presented is that no scripture set out is a product of any private interpretation. Okay, what Peter is saying here, Sean, is that um, 
he and the other writers of, of the scriptures, this didn't come out of their own volition, their own will. No, they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And um, so that the scriptures, they're not a product of any man or any, or any body of men. Now, this is really important because we go back to our contrast between the pagan idea of man and law and government in, the, in Europe and then the Christian idea here that's rooted in America in the scriptures in America is that um, part of the mess going on in Europe is that the church in Rome that controlled it, uh, Europe for so long is that the church believed that it was that the word of God came out of the church. Okay. Like the priest and the Pope. I mean, when the Pope sits in that chair, ex cathedra, what he says, he's the grandpapa it's done. So even though he's got his bishops and his priests and cardinals that will study the word of God, when the Pope speaks, well, that really is going to be what stands. Okay. And so that's, a, but the Pope is a man, Sean, the Pope is a man. He's not divine. He, they call him the vicar of Christ, which that is, as far as I'm concerned, I think is blasphemous to say that you're the vicar of Christ. Okay. Um, but uh, so, so the, the, um, the church believes the word of God came out of it, but no, the reality is the church the, the, came out of the word of God. The word gave birth to the church, not the other way around. Right. Right. That, that reminds that me of, of the backwards nature right. of the, the monarch and the Pope thinking that they're mm-hmm. infallible, whereas it's actually the word that's infallible exactly. or the, the governmental, uh, you know, view that we talked about where man mm-hmm. is the sovereign gets his rights from God, the true sovereign, and then the government are agents of him. So, so so the citizen is the principal and the government is the agent, not the other way around. Yes. But let's address this idea of uh, Holy Spirit inspired prophecy and in scripture, uh, because non-believers would just say, well, Barry, how the heck do you know that these people thousands of years ago were inspired by the Holy Spirit? Uh, why is this select group of books from the Bible compiled as the only inspired words of God? What about other lost books of the Bible? What about other prophets? You know, someone might talk about Enoch or something like that. Say, what about the book of Enoch? Why isn't that considered a Holy Spirit inspired word of God? Why isn't that in the Bible? And what about like, how do you really know? What is the litmus test? Uh, something is Holy Spirit inspired or not Holy Spirit inspired? The short answer, and this is a subject in and of itself, but the short answer is it can never contradict the the older and newer covenants of this, the, the, the scripture. So, you know, we want to have illumination of the spirit of God today. Okay. We, 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 we um, and that's one of the problems in Christendom is that, um, this is a subject, you know, it's delicate. We really need to, um, you know, balance it and, and, you know, slow down, make sure we're not being misunderstood. Um, and let me, I want to answer this too, in part to bring in the historical understanding of the authority for economic liberty. Okay. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the Protestant Reformation here. Um, so actually, let me just do that. Let me just do that. I want to answer you with the, the man whom God used to spearhead the Protestant Reformation. And that was a German monk, priest, and theologian named Martin Luther. 
Okay. So now this past weekend, uh, Sean, today is, yeah, this past weekend was uh, a national holiday here in America called Halloween. You remember that holiday? Get all your candy, get your pillowcase out there and get in costume and right. Um, do they celebrate it down there in uh, Brazil? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, my, they do. my wife and I don't celebrate okay. it, but uh, yeah, they do celebrate yes. it down here. So here's, okay, so here's, let's get a little historical perspective on this. Um, there was uh, developing in Europe, there was this pagan holiday, which was essentially celebrating, it's the Day of the Dead. Okay, Day of the Dead. And that uh, came around to be uh, October 31st. Uh, but then the Catholic Church came around to say that, uh, you know, we don't want to um, honor those pagan dead. Let's honor the saints. And so they came, they established a holiday called All Saints Day. Um, and that became November 1st. So the day after, uh, yeah, 30, October 31st was this pagan ritual of, you know, honoring the dead. And even in modern times, this day, that October 31st, is not looked on with uh, much um, hopefulness because there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of ritual abuse. There's a lot of cats, you know, sacrifice. There's all kinds of ugly stuff. Satanic ritual abuse is what they call it. Okay. But um, so the, the Roman church came forward with All Saints Day, veneration of the saints. They think that's great. In fact, that's a really regarded deal. When you go in these Catholic gift shops, there's all kinds of figurines of the saints, Francis of Assisi, and all kinds of these guys, all right, Bartholomew, and and all these little figurines, all right. However, within the Roman Catholic Church, there was this individual that I just mentioned, Martin Luther, that as a result of him studying the scripture, okay, so this is to answer you here, like the leaders in the church in Rome are saying, we're going to have this holiday, All Saints Day. But um, one of the, the men in there, Martin Luther, is a result of studying the scriptures for himself. He was getting illuminated. His mind, his spirit was being illuminated by the spirit of God to say, no, um, Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. We're not to live by all this ritual and prayers under the dead saints, because that's what they're doing. Prayers under the dead saints. Okay. Even prayers today, Mary, you know, I used to have the, the rosaries. I was raised Catholic, uh, Roman Catholicism. I had the, the rosary beads. You hold the little, there's like four, I think it's four little beads for Mary. And then the big one between those four is the, our father. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> so you're taught a lot of tradition of men that, and you know, it's tradition of men because you can't find it in the scripture. So here's Martin Luther uh, that, um, by the time 1517 rolls around, he articulates 95 theses. These are statements, right? And he posts them on the door in Wittenberg, where he was the uh, professor of theology there in the church in Wittenberg. And so he was in a position of influence. But he wrote, he, um, he posted those on the door because that's what they did back then. That was like their community bulletin board on the church door. And so what he was doing, Sean, is that he says, you know what? I'm not consenting that these practices in the church are of the will of God because I can't find them in the Bible. All right. And so um, there we have a historical understanding of someone who's challenging uh, the people. I mean, the leaders, the powers that be and saying, no, 
No, unless you can show me from scripture, I'm not going to believe it. And he actually went on trial uh, for that. They excommunicated him eventually as a heretic, Sean. Okay. Yeah, he really flipped the script, right? He went, uh, no, let's get the source of authority is the Bible, not the church. And that really messed with their their paradigm, didn't it? Uh, this reminds me of the scripture where they're talking in the New Testament about uh, how do you know if someone's an antichrist uh, or if they're what they're saying is antichrist. And they say, well, it's if it contradicts the idea mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. So that's that works right into this whole idea that if something contradicts uh, the the teachings of Christ, for example, then it is not obviously not Holy Spirit inspired. So that's one standard uh, of judgment, and that that makes a lot of sense. John, to me, Barry. Okay, let me let me let me take a little further to answer you there on your previous question. Um, I encourage our listeners to, upon you know completing this episode. Take some notes, take reference of first Peter chapter one and chapter two. Uh, the bigger context, uh, Sean, is Peter's talking about false teachers. OK, so to your question about there are the writings out there. All right. There, there's there's all kinds of spiritual, quote unquote, esoteric things. OK, and actually, I want to give an example of a listener um, that's uh, been following me for a while up until this past weekend. OK. But before I mention that, you go into chapter two of First Peter, he's talking about false teachers. And again, he's, he's laid the groundwork about, you know, he's heard a voice out of heaven. All right. But now he says we have the more sure word of prophetic scripture written. Lex scripta. Okay, that's right. The, the law that is written, that cannot be changed, that cannot be broken. And so when you go into... First Peter chapter two, he gets down towards the end of that chapter uh, where he talks about there's a kind of teacher that promises them liberty. This is verse 19, first Peter 2, 19. They, however, they themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome by him. Also, he is brought into bondage. See, um, we get this gets down to what is the core message of Jesus Christ, Sean, and that is man is in bondage, but I'm here to set you free today. Today's the day of salvation. And so when his te- when teachers come along, if they're not bringing, well, if they are not walking in it in themselves, then they're slaves of corruption. Okay. There are a lot of teachers out there. There's a lot of books, but if those things are not, bringing the word of the king jesus christ both in deed and in truth meaning they're living it then uh it's not valid okay right and usually Um, what it ends up looking like is they put mm -hmm. these additional yokes bondages and burdens on you additional rules legalism say oh you need to do this 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 and this and then you'll be you know doing god's will or whatever but yes the more simplicity of that love and liberty message Mm -hmm. is going to be uh in in accordance with uh, christ's teachings it is sean um let let me let me uh, mention uh out of the protestant reformation out of the work of luther and there was others there was john calvin in switzerland and he was a french huguenot uh, there, he got persecuted by the Roman Catholic uh, Church there in France. He had to flee France, and so he went to Switzerland, a uh, neutral country, and uh, he was able to write a lot, his Institutes of the Christian Religion. 
So you have Martin Luther, you've got John Calvin, you got Zwingli up in the, I think the Netherlands or Holland. Yeah, there in Holland. There was other, many reformers. And one of the salient uh, cries that came out of the Protestant Reformation was this term, sola scriptura. Okay, that's Latin for scripture alone. And and so we have uh certainly in Martin Luther, where he had, he, he got tried before church court. Okay. And the emperors there back then, the church and the state, they were working together. Okay. That's, that's part of the problem. The church is to influence the state, not be abducted by it or subverted or directed by it. Okay. The church is its own authority, according to the word of God, the law of God. And so the, 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 the herald there by the reformers is sola scriptura, only the word, the written word of God is the word of God. And if you have any impression, uh, any illumination, any revelation, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have continual revealing of what God has already written. That This is this is the thing. Is But the way that we new. know it's not just our evil imagination yeah. is if it's actually in accordance with Scripture. That's right. That's right. It, and because here's the thing, and Sean, I've gotten... I've changed my position over the years because, you know, I'm, I'm maturing in the Lord and uh, I used to have a much heavier hand on the Bible. Like you've got to find it in the Bible. And there's, there's truth to that. You've got to find it there, but let's keep a, a, a principle in mind here from the scripture. And that is the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, right? That's second Corinthians. I believe that's three seventeen. that um, yes, it needs to be found in the word of God. Okay. But now the spirit comes inside of this vessel here, the, the temple, of the Holy Spirit, and it has to come out by the spirit, it, you know, filled with the spirit, boldness, uh, you know, love, all of these things. We don't use the Bible like Rome did to put people to the stake. And I have been put to the stake, uh, Sean. I have, I've, I put myself, I have some testimony out there on our, um, on my YouTube channel, Liberty is the law of some, um, I've been killed a few times, actually. I've been murdered, uh, quite frankly. And when you look at First John, uh, the epistle First John, murder is defined there, uh, talking about it in the uh, first family there with Adam and Eve and the two brothers, Cain and Abel. Yeah, the Lord talks about it there in First John 3 about, let us not love like Cain loved and murdered his brother. I have people loving me to where they don't want to see me again. They, they can't stand me. And they, they say all manner of evil against me while they say they love me on the other side of their mouth. Okay. And that's not, no, that is a fraud. That's, that ain't the Jesus way. You look at Christ in the gospels. That is no, he does say repent. So to, you know, to those who have attacked my life or your life, when we take positions of Christ, the devil will attack. Um, The Lord is inviting us to him. He's not saying, go away. I never want to see you again. Right. Yeah. That's uh, a good point. That's a good way to, to look at it. That uh, mm-hmm. love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not saying go away and never want to see you again. <laughs> uh, right. But that's a good way of, of always returning to that scripture and seeing, you know, what is true love? We know from first Corinthians uh, what it actually is. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to say, that the Bible was written a long time ago, and we have new challenges 
nowadays with technology. I just wrote an article about Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse mm-hmm. and I, I renamed it Meta Curse because he's cursing humanity <laughs> with new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, technology of virtual reality and and to put yokes and burdens on us. And um you can't find anything in the Bible about virtual reality, obviously. So mm-hmm. you have to use what's there and, uh, you know, get illuminated uh, on current things that are happening based on the principles, the deeper truths from the Bible. So uh, the Bible is ever relevant, but it doesn't mean it's specific to, um, to obviously things that uh, didn't exist back then. Um, yes. So I can see. I'm I'm happy that you evolved in your in your thinking on that, Barry, because uh, I think Jesus was one of those people who uh, was very clear that uh, the law can actually, uh, when you get kind of all tied up in the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law, it can actually misguide you as well. So um, he was always chastising people about that. Like, well, look at what. Look at what the, the scripture was trying to say here. Don't don't yes. don't just get tied down with rituals related to to the scriptures or or to mm-hmm. uh, rules to make yourself look good in front of other people. That's pure hypocrisy. Um, yes. So Barry, we're running out of time here. Uh, what are your final thoughts and announcements? Well, actually, Sean, um, let's 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 make a little. I'm going to um, give the constitutional. Um, understanding of this idea that the authority for economic liberty, all right? And because uh, <clears throat> we've laid down some scriptures, there's the biblical basis, the historical basis that um, there in the Reformation with Martin Luther and others, uh, that um, authority does not come from men. It comes from God according to his word written. And so here I want to just... Um, present it to you here that in our body of law, the United States Constitution, it says that this Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. And anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding it cannot uh, yeah. uh, be a stand against them and so this is article six section two of our supreme law of the land so see here sean in our country so constitutionally this idea that man is not the sum is not the origin of making law no uh man law is 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 um from our king the true lawgiver and here we have a country that men do not have the authority to make it up as they go. Now they right. may have the and power. everything has to be in accordance with the constitution. Yes. It cannot contradict the constitution, right. the supreme law, just like in the Bible uh, and in inspired uh, living and thoughts, nothing can contradict the supreme law of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Right? That's right. So, so it's a reflection. Right. That supreme law of our land in America is a reflection of, of uh, that concept of having supreme law that doesn't get contradicted. 
Yes, it is the word of God or the law of God written. That is our safe haven. That is, those are the borders by which we have tremendous liberty. Um, For those who might think it's oppressive, it means that your conscience hasn't been purged of dead works. It's your own it's your own lawlessness that's oppressive. Not right, the you're law free of God. to do any trillion of things in the universe as long as you're loving God and loving your neighbor <laughs> as yourself. I mean, there's yes. not, there's not a lot of limitation there. The only limitation right. is that you can't kill, steal, and do all those evil things, Cut right? I that's mean, right. So just so a few things. Just a few yeah. things, and it all boils down to uh, the ten. If we're talking about the ten commandments, you know, the 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 first of um, five. Four, you know, deal. No, first four deal with our, our relationship to God, and then the next six, um, five through ten, deal with our relationship with our fellow man. Those right there define what it means to love God and love our neighbor. And yes, then other than that, you have so much liberty. Okay, let's uh, think of this passage. Paul says, "All things are lawful for me," but now at the same time, he says, "Not all things are truly helpful or expedient." Like. Right. The so right I, I, I'm, it's lawful. It's okay mm-hmm. for me to eat 10 pounds of chocolate. <laughs> Maybe that's not a power. good example because there's the, the mm-hmm. sin of gluttony. But you can do all kinds of things that are not exactly the best idea of you to do. It's not necessarily a sin, yeah. but it's not necessarily a, really a good thing for you to do. Right. That's about discretion and learning from trial and error. And, uh, you know, Hopefully we're learning from others who we don't have to eat, get sick from eating, you know, the wrong thing or whatever it is. But life's a journey. It, it, it's meant to, we're to grow, we're to mature, we're to become more excellent in the law of liberty. And uh, so the more we mature in our walk with the Lord, the freer we'll get and the less oppressive we'll be to others. And that's my testimony is that, um, Sean, that this is so world overcoming. It is so to live this way. The Christ way, it is befuddling to the natural mind. And I will say there are men that teach this word of God. They are themselves befuddled at some of the liberty that I'm practicing because it's not gotten real on the inside of them. They're teaching the Bible, but they're not experiencing Christ as the law governing them today. And that's when then there's often conflict and uh, the Lord will honor a man leading his family to do good on the king's land today. And it's not about a conforming to a meeting or ritual. God's people do meet, but the church is not a meeting, but the church does meet. And the church is not a building, but it is being built by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what our life is about. Sean, um, you know, if, if it's time to end the program today, for those who want greater liberty in their self and in their family life this is what we're here for if people want greater liberty outside of their home about all the attacks from different strangers and agencies you know jesus said my sheep hear my voice and they will not they will not listen to the voice of a stranger john there's a lot of strangers out there wanting your money wanting your your livelihood they want your energy and they want some measure of your children. Uh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. There's only one lawgiver. And uh, you've been found out. You're, you're a fraud. And so that's the, 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 the law of liberty on this land here in America, Sean. This is how we'll overcome the, uh, the enemies is starting in our home. And so whoever's listening to me right now, this is uh, by real world experience. 
we have in our person substance to impart to you in word, in deed, in truth, in processes, in tools. Um, Sean, that this is what we're here for. And I, I again, I bless you for having me on this program and to, to make some friends. And uh, let's take our country back, starting from our household government. If you want to talk to Barry about uh, engaging the principles of his writings uh, in your family government, solve those family problems, those marriage problems, uh, go to libertieslaw.us and, and send him a message. You can get a free discovery call. If you want to tune in to my work, uh, you know, it's seanmorganreport.com. You can get a free newsletter there. I keep you updated every day on the latest happenings as we uh, fight the spiritual warfare uh, at the global scale. So uh, you can keep in touch there. God bless all you patriots. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for being a part of our Christian self-government ministry by supporting our sponsor. A way to support the channel and be able to get a really great experience of waking up every single day with The Great Awakening Gourmet Coffee. So this is the website, thegreatawakeningcoffee.com. You go here, you click on Get Started, and, uh, and then it takes you to the next step. You choose whether you're going to buy the coffee for your home or your office. So we'll just click Home for now. And the website will load here. And by the way, this company is totally Patriots owned. So that's what I really like about this company. You can choose what kind of coffee you want, ground, whole, or the K-cup. So we'll just choose ground. It's the easiest. That's the way I, I buy it. And then you can pick the kind that you like. I prefer the, uh, the Washington blend, South America blend. Click on that. You put in the size that you want, one pound or two pound. You can subscribe so that it sends the same amount of coffee at the same time every month. And then click subscribe and save. Then click on view cart. Make sure you put in the coupon code QFAQ to get a discount. And then proceed to checkout, and you know how to handle the rest with your credit card. It's that simple. Uh, you know what's going on right now with the corporate coffee is they're donating a bunch of millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter. So ditch the corporate coffee. Check out thegreatawakeningcoffee.com. Support the Patriots. Support this channel. Thank you so much for your support. God bless. Hi, my name is Sean Morgan. I'm the creator of the Crypto and Bitcoin Course for Beginners. I worked for two cryptocurrency companies as a marketing director and business developer. I have lots of experience of making the complexity of crypto easy for beginners through tutorials and other tools. Crypto changed the world in 2011. It went from just a cool thing that technical people talked about to now a trillion dollar market cap. Every bank, every investment manager, every president of every country in the world is looking into crypto right now. It's changing money as we speak, and now's the time to learn about it. That's the first step of this course, is to understand how this technology, the underlying technology of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, is not just changing finance, it's changing every industry. And then you're going to learn how to participate, how to buy crypto, how to store crypto safely, how to 
send cryptocurrency to other people and to other accounts, how to trade cryptocurrencies for other cryptocurrencies, how to buy things, goods and services online, and ultimately how to sell crypto and get those US dollars or other fiat currencies back in your account. So the whole ecosystem, the whole step from the first step of crypto to the last step is going to be taught in this short and easy course. Basically, you just watch a whole bunch of videos, not a whole bunch, a, a few videos of me talking to the screen like this, and then also some animations that make the learning fun and easy and visual. You also get an ebook that has all the answers to every crypto question, and you also get the audiobook with it as well. This short, easy course is $99, but for limited time, it's 20% off. So just go to the link below. Get the link for the course and use the discount code to get $20 off, but it's only available for the first 20 students. So take advantage of that now. I'm your host, Sean Morgan, the crypto expert, and I look forward to being your teacher on the other side. I'll see you there.